We were on and are on a subject that I find to be absolutely essential for us to get. The reason I believe it's essential is because, because our life in him, I think, really depends upon it. The fruitfulness that we can have in God depends upon us understanding this principle. This is an attempt that I stole from a little bit of a friend of mine named Ian Clayton, his chart. But it's an attempt to, to teach something that I see all through the scriptures, that we have a vis, visible thing to kind of connect with, to kind of understand it. And it speaks of the three-part man, uh, uh, you know, the, the spirit, the soul, and the body. Uh, it speaks of those parts, and it speaks about God that's within us. Now, if you notice at the very center, it's the glory of God. And you notice that it's right in the center of our spirit. And that is for what reason? He dwells in us, correct? One of the enemy's big plans and what he loves to do and what he also did in the garden is he got us not to believe what he said. He enabled us to, uh, to begin to doubt what God had said to us. When he started out in the garden, he said, did God really say he put a question about the goodness of God and what his word was. That question that he planted then is something he plants even now. Did God really say he dwells within you? He just met it metaphorically. He didn't really mean that. You know, I did this wrong. God doesn't really dwell within me. Huh? Oh, oh! That would flip the second one. That'll be the the one you want to see. You can see that one. Because what I'm going to have you do, because I know that we all don't bring our Bibles <laughs> all the time. So what I want to do is I want us to read these, and, and I want us to read this out loud, because there's there's a series of and there's more scriptures than this about God dwelling in us, but there's a series of ones that I would ask that you would take the time to write down. And meditate on during the week. Because the first form of attack will always be disbelief. He doesn't want you to believe that God dwells within you. He doesn't want you to believe these scriptures. Because if you can get that God really dwells within you, then you will stop trying to go get satisfied another way. You'll go stop trying to get something on the outside to make you feel good. You'll be worrying about how you open up that gate that we showed in the front picture and allow God to fill in your soul. Because many of us have God. If you ask God to come into your life, into your heart, he dwells there. If you don't feel him, doesn't mean he's not there. When we Long ago, I think, if we've been around Christianity very long, we know that the feelings aren't necessarily accurate. They're just feelings. Sometimes it can be accurate. It's nice to feel God. And my intention is that you do, because you can feel God and hear God is really what God's heart is for you. But you have to believe some things, and then you have to remove some things. Last week I talked about that gate, that, uh, the first gate, first love. That gate that, that is blocked up in a lot of us, and the enemy works day and night trying to block up in all of us all the time. How to open it, keep it open. So his spirit will fill us. But first of all, we've got to believe this truth. So let's read this Galatians 2.20. 
I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Hope you write that down. That's an important scripture. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives within me. That's significant because that means our record isn't on anymore. It's not what we did or what we did. It's what Christ did. The inheritance of him is the inheritance of what, when God looks at us, he sees Jesus. And when he sees Jesus, he sees purity and forgiven. All right, next, next one. Let's read this one out, Rob. Romans 8, 11. Okay. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the spirit who dwells in you. Okay, this is a promise of what's yet to come. But it also states the, the same thing. God dwells in you. All right, the next one. Colossians 1.27. God in his fullness, the mystery, say it out loud, God, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the saints. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of his mystery, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. It is a mystery. It's the saints have looked for it all generations. But he's showing it to you and I. You know, the day of Moses, they would have loved to see something like this. All the great prophets of old would have loved to have this. But you have God dwelling in you. They had a model. They had a model of the temple, which was a promise of what was to come. The model of the temple, it said, was a shadow of the glory of what was yet to come. That model of the temple also can be, I can show you that in a minute, what it is and how it applies. Write that down. Go to the next one. And by the way, this is not, I've listed just a few of them. There are more scriptures than this. Colossians 2, 9 through 12. All right, guys. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ, who is the head over every power and authority. In him, you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature, not with a circumcision done of hands of men, but with a circumcision done by Christ having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him through your faith in the power of God who raised him from the dead. Wow. And for in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given the fullness in Christ. That's the truth. What you feel often is the lie from the pit of hell. On purpose, planned to destroy the truth. Because if you had a, a million dollars in the ground and didn't know it was in the ground, you wouldn't have a million dollars. But you have to know it's there to be access to it. The gift has been given to you of Christ. But if you don't realize, if you don't believe the truth, 
You don't believe what has been the hope for all time has happened in you, then you're hopeless. But if you can get that Christ lives within you, you have all the hope of all the ages because you have the promise, the living God dwelling within you. It's not a metaphor. It's the truth. All right, let's go to the next one. First Corinthians three sixteen through 17. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple, which means you're sacred. Why? You know, when it was explained what made the altar holy, it wasn't the altar that made God holy. It was God on the altar that made it holy. It's God in you that makes you holy. You are holy to him. You are holy and blameless in his sight. That's a big jump to get. You've got to take it by faith. You've got to take it by I choose to believe. The enemy always loves to say this. He says to you, if you don't feel it, it isn't there. He says to you that that uh, uh, the reality is what you feel. But reality is the truth, whether you feel it or not, whether you understand it or not. But whether you feel it or not, if you choose to believe it, that's called faith. Because faith is having something that you don't really have at the time. It's believing you're going to get it. So it's even more faith when you don't feel it than when you do. Contrary to what your common sense would tell you. But the truth is, when you don't feel it and you choose to believe it, that's more greatest exercise of faith of all. Next scripture. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. Promise. He's never leaving. You ask him in. He's not going. I don't care what you did yesterday. You asked him in, he's there. I do not believe once saved, always saved. I believe you can choose to go the wrong way. I don't believe anybody can steal you from God. Because it says nothing in heaven and earth can steal you from him. But I believe you can choose to go the wrong way and continue over a period of time exercising your free will to be without God. And guess what? You'll be without him. Matter of fact, the scripture says it's impossible for you to be brought back. And if that's true, it's impossible to be brought back. Then it means that you can lose salvation. So I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is you ask God in your heart. and You're living the same out. And yeah, you mess up. And yeah, you do things wrong. He's still in you. That sin you did yesterday or this morning on the way here or day before did not disqualify you with God. Because why? Remember a few scriptures before? Because Christ dwells within you, and his record is before the king of glory, not yours. That gives you a freedom to live for him, not to sin. That gives you a freedom that you don't have to worry about if I do this or that, because if you live like that, you'll never have him. You'll never feel him. You'll always be tricked by the enemy to remembering what you did wrong. When God says, I remember your sins no more. Next scripture. John fourteen fifteen through 17. 
If you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give me who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. So not only dwells within us, he gives us the Holy Spirit as an advocate for us. I hope you wrote these down. If not, go back to the website and listen to it again and write them down when you got a pen. But you really need to think about these. If you want to think of some scriptures, remember, these are it. You know, I mean, these, I can't think of anything more. If I'm, especially if I was a new Christian uh, or one that doesn't really feel that saved or to understand who I am that much, this is the ones I would want to know. I'd want to know that assurance that there's nothing that's going to remove God from being in me. That I have an advocate for me. And the same God that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. That same spirit, he lives in me. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. That's the one I want to remember. If I got that, I got everything. Now, since, let's go back to that chart. Since we know... The, the rich, you know, the one on the uh, ends. The gates. Now, the truth and the reality is without question. Anybody, do you have a question that God dwells in you? Raise your hand. Does this, is this, can you get any clearer than these scriptures? They're, they're imputable. They're, 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 they're very straightforward. God wanted to make, you know, he hides a lot of things. We didn't hide this. This is something that you can't miss. It's intentional that you can't miss it because you have to know that to be able to survive this. It's the whole intention of the whole Old Testament that this would be. And matter of fact, on there, I think the last one. But what I was going to show you is, again, that temple is a model of the same thing. The holy and the holy, holy center of the holy holies, or actually in the back of it, was a curtain that where God's presence dwelt. And it was in the, in the holy. Well, you can put the holy as the spirit. And the Holy of Holies is God. But there was a curtain there, and the scripture says it was ripped at his, at his death on the cross. And there was a new way of entering in. So you have nothing to stop you to open up that where God's presence will fill you. And you don't get him from out there. He's in here. You ask him, he dwells within you. You don't need to, get, you don't need to go grab more of God here and there. He dwells here in fullness. How much is fullness? You don't need any more. You don't need to be, you know, you don't need to go get some more. You don't need to walk around like a beggar. You don't need to think that you don't have some. But you see, some people, though they own everything, don't know they own anything. And they're poor. It's called a poverty mentality. Don't have a poverty mentality. Understand you can't be richer than you are right now. You can get money. That's nice. And as the, uh, as, uh, Pastor Mario said, you know, with the, uh, uh, offering, what is money? You know, you can't have everything. Just the money doesn't mean all things. This means you got money. Well, God wants you to have the fullness of Him. That first gate there, the the first love, is has to be opened that you would be able to feel His presence. It has to be opened that He would fill your soul and go to to other areas. That gate has to be opened for those things to happen. So. Christ is in you. He cannot be removed from you. You can choose to reject him. That's your business. But he can't be taken away. Now, Satan's plan was, of course, to defile the gates by distrust, unbelief, and distractions. Distractions is one of his favorite ones. You know, I mean, that's probably one he uses the most. 
Turn to uh, Nehemiah 2, 17 through 18. Now, in Nehemiah, and four times in Nehemiah, it talks about this. But I'm just going to pick one. In Nehemiah 2, 17. Now, he's talking to, I picked the one where he's talking to the fellow Israelites. He's already talked to the king and told them the same thing, basically, but I picked this one. And it says, then I said to them, see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruin, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let's rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, and we'll no longer live in disgrace. If you remember the story of Nehemiah, Israelite did not repent, did not turn from their sins. And what happened is God lifted his hand and the enemy brought destruction. And they tore down the walls and destroyed the gates. But I noted four times in there that it talked about the burning the gates. And I wondered about that. What's with the things of burning the gates? Well, the burning gates was a judge. That's what they did with uh, uh, some of the bad sinners. They took them outside the gates and burned them. That's what they did with sometimes with their enemies. Um, but it speaks of the vulnerability, judgment, and dishonor that the enemy wants to do. He wants to remove the protection. Uh, so he destroys the gates or defiles the gates. Either way, it doesn't open for use. It doesn't exist anymore. In this case, we have the gate with God. It has to be opened that God would come through. Now, the first love, I said to you last week, one of the, one of the enemy's early plans, and I want to hit this over because I actually didn't get the tape last time. It didn't work out, and I just want to mention this real quickly. What we talked about is that what the enemy loves to do is he takes you when you're real vulnerable, like with your first love, uh, when you're very, very young, and maybe a little crush on someone, uh, uh, it may be uh, maybe a crush on a teacher or something, someone. Uh, maybe been another little boy or girl. And what happens is he messes that up and he causes the hurt. And what happens is when, we, when that happens to us, we, we draw back and we close off. And when we close off, what happens is that the, the uh, uh, intimacy can no longer happen. It's a wall that's put up. So in other words, somebody closed the door barred it, and put some bricks outside of it to make sure you can't get in. That's happened to many of you. Many of you have made a vow saying that I'll never feel again. I will never love again. I will never let anybody close again. I will never fill in the blank. There are lots of I will never do again. The trouble with I will never, it is a vow. And vows are promises that your soul makes. To keep you safe. Now, the reason you make them is for the safety. And that becomes a stronghold in your life. And then you're unable to get through that. And last week, and we will pray for anybody who wants that today after church too, we prayed for those people that had made those vows. And we said, okay, I'm not going to ever feel, I'm not going to trust, I'm not going to this, that, or the other. We're going to renounce that. And we're going to allow Jesus to heal that. And we're going to ask for forgiveness for that and for forgiveness for the people that did that to us or we did that to them. 
that that gate will be open. Because you see, unforgiveness, matter of fact, you can pretty put this as a general term. Most all sins, the reason that God doesn't want to do them is because they defile us and close us off to him or to others. You remember the scriptures when Jesus was asked, what is, what is the most greatest command? He said this, he said, love the Lord with all the heart, mind, soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. It was a two way thing. He says the whole law is summed up in these two. But it's a love thing, and they both work together, not only with God, with one another. If you don't have this with one another, it's very hard to have it with God. And so God wants us not, if you look at the Ten Commandments, if you look at different things he says not to do, especially the speaking against people, bitterness, unforgiveness, gossip, all that type of things like that. What it does is it defiles and hardens your heart that you're unable to be open to him. And he doesn't want us to sin because he doesn't dwell with sin. And when things are defiled, this is another way of saying he doesn't dwell with sin. When things are defiled, things are closed off to him and are opened up to hell. And the gates, as I've said before, are for one or the other. They're either for, either open to the kingdom, they're open to the kingdom of hell, or this earth, or whatever way you want to say it. But they're not open to both. So he tries to defile those things. It causes us to make inner vows because of traumatic experiences being mocked or ridiculed or rejected. Uh, any of these things close us off. And he says, I stand at the door and knock. Now, that's, that's in Revelation, and it's a little out of context. But I believe the door is there, and he wants to come in. He wants to fill us. Now, this is not my soul for me and Clayton. And I really, really like this. He said that when he was dealing with this area in his life, he asked the Lord, he said, I can't see the handle. And God answered him, it's because you don't want to see the handle. You're scared of seeing the handle. And I have to look at it because it's not my story. But... Uh, what was the problem was fear that if he opened up to God and what he would do, what other people would say. It was the fear of love because he had been hurt. The fear of losing control, big one for a lot of you. And fear what's behind the door. If God really comes in, what is he bringing? What is he going to require of me? See, because we believe the lie. Remember the original lie in the garden? The original lie is that the real good things you have to go get for yourself because God's not really a good, generous God. And he's holding back on you. And that's the same lie we believe today. It hasn't changed. The first lie worked good. So we didn't need to change it. As that lie is just, you know, you know, if you really go with God, he's going to put you in the band playing a flute when you're a football player. You know, break your legs. This when you get, something's going to go wrong. You're, you're going to be doing something you don't want to do. But that's a lie. Because he's the father of all lies. And he causes you to believe things that aren't true. You see, you're made with a purpose. You're made to have God dwell in you and his spirit to flow through you. You're made for that. And any time that doesn't happen, you are empty. And you are in need. 
And I don't care how rich you are, how successful, how uh, popular you are, how famous you are. You go out and watch Hollywood, and they're slitting their wrists and throats and I mean wrists and popping pills and do all kinds of things because they're not happy. They got all the fame in the world, they got all the money in the world, but they don't have the peace in them. They don't have the presence of God. They bought the wrong thing. They believed the lie. They believed, and many, many of those people are supposed to be there, supposed to be in Hollywood. And if they would let go and trust God, they would, God would bring them there and give them Him and all the riches as well as as, as is promised in the Scriptures. So. Don't believe that original lie that's still around, that you've got to go grab it for yourself because God's not a good God and won't bless you. He will bless you. He'll bless you in his timing, in his ways, the way he wants to do it. But with it, it won't bring sorrow. God has wealth. It does not bring sorrow. So, Ian said he couldn't see it. And what God said is it only come through touching the door will you find the handle. I'm not sure if I understand what that really meant by, meant by that. But I thought I'd just share it with you guys and see if you can figure it out. But my guess would be something like this. That unless you try, unless you go there, unless you're willing to grope and find what's there, unless you're willing to ask God what is in the way and what's locked the door in my life, you won't find that handle to open it up and let him in. Yeah, this is it. Uh, so that we have to learn to do. We have to learn to allow God to show us those things. Now, what are these things that can be in the way? Now, I'm going to go through some of the things, not too many because of uh, time. And it applies to the first love door, but applies to all the gates or doors. Doors, gates, same thing, portals. Lots of different things are the same thing. Um, now, how did God, God showed me use some strange scriptures to show me these things. He had me use uh, Matthew 25, verse 1. If you remember, that's the story of the virgins. And Matthew 13, 14 through 23, the sower. And Matthew 23, 22, the wedding banquet. I could go through those one by one, but in a sense, when you read them, they don't—they aren't really talking about gates and doors. Some do. I mean, the wedding banquet—they shut the door on them. But what it does talk is a variety of other things. The first one, the virgins, speaks of lack of persistence. You know, for that door to open for the first love, for some reason, it's not that easy. It really isn't. For some reason, it causes us a lot of work and a lot of pressing through. So the story of the virgins were that they weren't persistent. They didn't spend the time in prayer. They didn't have that. So when, when, when uh, the master came... They were not prepared, and they had to go buy oil. So a lack of persistence and a lack of preparation is one of the things that causes us to miss it. Fear. Trauma, trouble, worries, persecutions, unbelief. 
All those saints do. And you see that in the sower. Remember the sower? Uh, let me just read the, the punchline. Remember the sower? They sowed the seed. A farmer came and sowed the seed. And he's talking about the kingdom of God here. Huh? Uh, no. Well, I'll just read it here. I'll just do this one. It's Matthew 13, 3 through 30. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell along the rocky place where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. Because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no roots. Others' seed fell among thorns, who grew up and were choked the plants. Still others fell on good soil, where it produced a crop 160, uh, uh, 30 times what was sown. You know, as ears let them hear. I'm going to skip down a little bit. Uh, Jesus tells them, explains in here why they didn't understand it and that their hearts were hardened and seared and so they weren't able to. Uh, Here's what it means. Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears a message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is a seed sown along the path. The one that, that's verse uh, 19, verse 20. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no roots, it lasts only a short time. Those are the ones that are not prepared. Those are the ones that have trauma come into their life that does not prepare them. One of the things we've tried to talk about here is to prepare you for what's coming. And you're starting to see a glimpse of it right now. Unpopular message. Unpopular message because everybody wants to hear that it's kumbaya time and everything's going to be easy and all you do is say yes to God and God takes care of everything. Well, that's not the truth. You know, which it was, but it's not. But people that are unprepared, that don't have the roots, that aren't trying, you know how you get roots? You receive water and let them grow and then you don't get water for a while and the roots go down. You know, a guy, uh, it was explained to me once by a... Uh, uh, gardener, and he says, you know, if you water your, a little water every day on your plants, the roots will never go down very deep. And when the, uh, if you forget the water one day or it gets real hot, they'll die because there's no roots to find the water down there because there's still water down deeper in the ground. So what you do is you water real heavy. God blesses you, does nice things to you. And then you don't water. God withdraws. Where are you, God? I don't feel you. I don't know where you are right now. And you start searching them out. Your roots grow. And find him. And he develops a strength in you when you do that. But many people get, ah, this isn't what God, somebody told me. Somebody told me this is going to be easy and uh, it's not fun. I don't like it. Bye. That's the one you just saw there. Number 22, the one who receives the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth choked it, making it unfruitful. 
That's the ones that uh, trouble, worries, uh, the distractions of the enemy causes them to be choked out. hard to find on this hand. I should have done it a different way. Sorry, guys. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding. Those are the ones that we're called to be. Those are the ones that it's my intention that every single person in here becomes. That fertile ground that has had the roots go down, that have been tried and tested and learned how to believe God. Now this first gate here to get into its heart. These saints choke it out. Lack of persistence, trauma, trouble, worries, persecution, unbelief. Distractions. Like he had distractions of the world. Distractions. Other gods, girls, gold, glory. That's the ones that they always hit the pastors, they say, but it hits everyone. Girls, gold, glory, all those different things. Focuses that are other than God. You see, it's very clear that if you seek God in his kingdom, he'll give you everything else as well. Don't talk to me about number four. <laughs> We've had it four. Gluttony. <laughs> Yay. My weakness. <laughs> Eat too much. These things that are focuses other than God choke you out. Thanks, son. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm kind of out of time right now. I want to spend some time for prayer. And then next week we're going to pick up on how do you open rebuild? How do you, how do you really do that? Now we've talked a little bit about the stuff dealing with the vows. That's a very persistence and understanding very clearly what causes us to close off. Start working on those things. You know, if you, during the week, work on these things that I talk about, it will be fruitful to you. I promise you. Now, this doesn't apply to once a week watering. This is not good enough for this. You've got to do your own watering on that. But if you will do that, then God will give you revelation of what we're speaking about and revelation how to change. Now, uh, or, what did I say? Can we have some worship, and if anybody wants to get some prayer? I know. I shouldn't ask. <laughs> if Eddie hears, he's going to give me a bad time. Now, you guys get this? Does this make sense to you? You get buying it? Are you going to do something about it? That, that's my big question. Are you going to do something? Remember that scripture? It says... Don't be like the foolish person who goes, looks at the mirror, and then immediately goes away and forgets what he looks like. Don't be like that. The kingdom belongs to those who put it into practice. The kingdom belongs to those who decide and choose to do the will of the Father. It's not good enough to know about God. If you think it is, then you would must believe that Satan is one of the best Christians in the world. Because let me tell you what, he knows all about God. Far more than you and I do. He's dead. It's who put it into practice is the ones that receive the kingdom. So, now, opportunity. 
as we do a worship song here that Tracy didn't think she was going to get to finish them on. Fooled her. Uh, you can come up here. Uh, if we have a prayer, our minister team, come up and we'll pray for you. And then we can pray for the minister team we need to. So come on up. Any of this stuff that hits you that you need some help with. We can pray for those things, break things, but you will have to dig your own well. You will have to put your own roots down. You will have to decide to do these things. You will not be able to receive this by just listening to it today. This is something that you have to be diligent with God. I'm not letting go of you till you bless me. That's how you have to be. I'm not letting go of you with God until you bless me. You have to have that in your heart. So come forward and we will be glad to pray for you. And the rest of you, we bless you. May the Lord's face shine upon you. May bless you in all that you do. And I ask uh, 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 that the Holy Spirit would go with each person today and remind them of what's spoken here and what's of you, Lord. And empower each person to speak the kingdom to one another and to bless one another. Amen.